Ghost Stories is proudly presented by IJG. IJG, making your money work for you. Welcome back to the Business Report. Time now for our ghost stories. We talk to the finance ghost, uh, who is able to, uh, through all sorts of means and ways, but mostly just by being smart and reading sense announcements with uh, some degree of analytical thinking. Uh, he tells us what's going on uh, with investment companies on the JSC and the NSX. Uh, Ghost, welcome back to the Business Report. Hi, Gary. Thanks for having me. This is always fun. Right. So let's start out with a company we did touch on last week, but uh, more travails. But you seem to think they may have perhaps reached the bottom of despair. And this is, of course, MTN. It had a very mixed bag of results across the continent and some legal woes. Tell us a little bit more what's going on there. Yeah, so we covered MTN a little bit last week and, you know, what's going on in the African subsidiaries is kind of typical of business in Africa. You know, it's dealing with inflationary economies, forex, uh, volatility, governments who are trying to expect whatever bit of tax revenue they can, all those kind of challenges. But, you know, what is interesting is, and in the markets, it's always important to remember, you know, anything is good at the right price and equally anything can be bad at the wrong price. So MTN share price has come off really, really hard. You know, this thing at one point was over 200 bucks a share in the pandemic. It's now in the 90s. Um, and, it, you know, it was lower than that even pre-pandemic. So it's been quite the roller coaster. And MTN is not really growing ahead of inflation in any of its operations, including in South Africa for that matter, actually. So, you know, equity investments need to, at the very least, beat inflation. Otherwise, you've got to really ask yourself why you're bothering because you can go and put money in the bank right now and get a yield that is higher than inflation. So that's part of why the share prices come under so much pressure. You know, one of the other issues is their margins have gone the wrong way. So, for example, in the latest quarter, we now have group level results, not just African subsidiaries. You know, revenue increased 14.2% in constant currency. So that's before we take into account all the Forex craziness. EBITDA, that's earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization, a really horrible term that basically just means operating profit. That was up 6.2%. So revenue up 14.2, operating profit up 6.2. That means that margins went the wrong way, which is obviously not what investors actually want to see. But it has sold off really, really hard. So the question is, has it bottomed? And if I look at the market response to yesterday's numbers, you know, the share price is kind of stabilized in the mid 90s at the moment. What would improve the situation from here is something like dollar weakness. For example, it would give the African currencies a break. Some of MTN's capital commitments and expenses are also denominated in dollars. So, you know, if uh, Jerome Powell stops hiking rates and the dollar weakens, that would be good for MTN. On the flip side, unfortunately, weak trade data out of China, pressure on emerging markets, uh, commodity prices going the wrong way. That's the stuff you don't want to see for MTN. And that's pretty much been the order of the day. So it might be a little bit too early to jump in, but I'm starting to wonder if maybe MTN share price is seeing the bottom. And at some point, uh, punters who get the timing right will be well rewarded. Now, of course, MTN is a complicated business, uh, and, and you're talking a lot of, um, sort of headline results. Uh, they are operating in a number of different markets and performing differently in those markets, some of them quite well. Yeah. well is, there a, is there a universal reason that MTN seems to be struggling in some markets to, to continue its growth trajectory? So look, telecoms historically, not necessarily a great industry, actually, you know, despite the fact that we all have cell phones and we're all connected to some kind of network, it's not actually a great way to make money because it's really, really CapEx intensive. You know, every time we change from 3G to 4G, 4G to 5G, it's a huge capital rollout for these telecoms players. So that's one of the reasons why historically it's been a bit of a struggle is the CapEx intensity is significant. 
And then just think about your own habits with your own phone. I mean, when last did you phone someone not as a WhatsApp call? You know, I would say it's probably less and less and less these days, and it's only going to be less from here because it's expensive to phone someone the old-fashioned way. It's so much cheaper to use your data, especially if you're on Wi-Fi, then you're not giving MTN any of your money. So the way people are using their cell phones has changed dramatically. You know, I remember as a kid having to save up for SMS bundles and being really careful with which messages I send. Goodness, those, those days are long gone. <laughs> so that's part of the problem is people are actually effectively spending less and less on, you know, what they are on their connectivity than they have in prior years. But the capital expenditure requirement for these companies just doesn't go away. So I think telecoms in general is not actually as lucrative as people think. And that's why they do things like try and create financial services and become, you know, a bank in your pocket on your smartphone. That's a big part of MTN strategy. Let's move into an entirely different part of the uh, of the stock exchange now, and it's a company called Bell Equipment. Um, many of our listeners would be familiar with the kinds of equipment and plant that Bell produce. Now, my wife and I have different shopping strategies. She goes to Woolworths, and then when they're on sale, she thinks she's saving money. I like browsing the street markets and trying to pick up the same thing for a much cheaper. It would seem at the moment that the Bell Equipment stock price is perhaps more street vendor than uh, than Woolworths, and, you, <laughs> and you're suggesting that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, definitely. But look, Bell Equipment is one of those companies that is kind of always cheap. So you know you have to be careful as an investor if you look at a company that's on an earnings multiple of like three and saying, oh, everything else on the market is ten. Why can't this also be ten? Some companies will just never be ten for whatever reason. So you always have to be a little bit careful with that. But Bell Equipment has had a fantastic year. And, you know, mining is a complicated beast, but Bell is almost quite simple, which is not a bad thing. You know, this is literally the shovel in the gold rush. It's all the toys in the store that my little boy loves. You know, that's my Bell exposure, I suppose. All the diggers and all of that kind of stuff. And they will sell it to a mining house anywhere in the world, mining anything. So that's why I say it's the shovel in the gold rush. They don't really need a specific commodity to be doing well. They can sell to any mining house. And the good news is it's a cheap shovel. It's on a price earnings multiple of under three times based on their latest trading statement. And Bell's year end is only December. So they've issued this trading statement way ahead of year end, which tells you how much faith they have in these numbers, where they are saying that headline earnings per share will be up by at least 59%. Now, the challenge is the share price has pretty much gone parabolic this year. It really has gone to the moon, you know, to use the old sort of pandemic term in the markets. Uh, it's still cheap though, if you look on an earnings multiple, but I think where you need to be careful with mining houses and their suppliers, when the price earnings multiple is at its lowest is when you can get bitten the hardest as an investor, because all you need is a scenario where if commodity prices take enough strain and Bull sees a fall off in demand for its equipment, you'll be amazed at how quickly a low price earnings multiple can bite you really, really hard. You know, if those earnings halve and the share price stays where it is, suddenly the price earnings multiple doubles overnight. And you go, oh, it's not that cheap anymore, is it? You know, that's if you're lucky. That's if the share price doesn't follow the earnings lower. So it's been a great play this year, but you've got to be careful with chasing something like Bell. Right now, here in Namibia, um, mining is is on a big upward curve. New mines opening and old mines reopening. Yeah, which means that increasingly we become exposed to AECI and their range of products, um, and they seem to be doing okay. Yeah, another great example of facing the mining industry at the moment. And as you say, there is a lot of activity. A lot of mines are reopening. You know, another company to look at is something like Master Drilling. So with AECI at the moment, a typical example of an industrials group doing rather well, uh, except in Germany, actually. They are really struggling with their German business. So another good example that, you know, the grass is not always greener on the other side. To put it in perspective, their earnings before interest and tax is 1.8 billion rand over nine months. 
Germany's losing 230 million. So they would have been at over 2 billion without Germany. It's proving to be one hell of a headache and it's a turnaround that is difficult. You know, they've been making progress, but for some reason, the macroeconomic circumstances around that business are a struggle. The good thing for AECI though, as you've pointed out, is exposure to the mining industry. And that's kind of where you want to be right now. They also have an agribusiness, for example, but that is struggling. And we also saw numbers out from Omnia, which is also more agri-focused and again, struggling there as well, that chemicals business. So AECI, their earnings and their revenue up 10% over the nine months year to date. And the balance sheet has become more efficient as well, which is something that you know investors obviously like to see alongside earnings growth. All right, just perhaps worth mentioning that you do put out a daily newsletter. So Ghostmail is what it's called. You can go uh, Google Finance Ghost or Ghostmail. And we'll put up those links as well on our site. And I'm an avid reader. And uh, just lastly, in closing, Ghost, if you don't mind perhaps taking a punt at this, there's a chap called Des De Beer who uh, is, is a related part on, on Lighthouse Properties. And I have noticed for the last three weeks, without fail, Des De Beer buying up his own shares and that has to be assigned to the market, or is it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the old <laughs> the joke I think of sometimes is find someone who looks at you the way Des De Beer looks at Lighthouse shares, you know. And and it's it's true. I mean, he's buying them almost every day. I sometimes laugh at how different the quantum is. You know, some days it's ten million rand, some days it's a couple of hundred thousand rand. Some of it will be liquidity in the market, but I often wonder, you know, how that decision gets made of how much it is each day. Look, at the end of the day, Lighthouse Properties is a European property fund in which he's actively involved. So you've got to recognize that this is an extremely wealthy individual who has an opportunity to diversify his wealth offshore in property, which is a game he certainly understands. And he has the ability to do it right here on the JSC. So I think from my perspective, I wouldn't necessarily treat it as, you know, Lighthouse is going to be the next big thing in terms of amazing shareholder returns. I don't think he would be buying this much if he didn't believe that it was going to do okay. But I wouldn't I wouldn't ignore the fact that a lot of this is actually diversification. And also Lighthouse has been using a strategy of script dividends, which means instead of paying a cash dividend, you get the option of receiving more shares at a discount. So he's been ramping up his stake like crazy because he buys the shares in cash. Then they declare a script dividend and he says, thank you very much. Give me more shares. And so the, you know, the stake grows and grows and grows. But as I say, my caveat to all of this would be, you know, Des De Beer is in a different situation in his life to all of us. And I think you've got to recognize there's some diversification there, not necessarily a direct punt at Lighthouse. All right, guys, we're going to leave it at that. But uh, if you enjoy this kind of content and figure out what's going on with all the sorts of shares, not just the big ones that the analysts are looking at, then uh, make sure you get onto the Finest Ghost website and subscribe to the newsletter or listen to the business report because we'll be chatting to them every week. Thanks. We'll let you go, guys. Have a great week. Thank you. Cheers, Gary. Ghost Stories was proudly presented by IJG. IJG, making your money work for you. Visit IJG.net for more information.